0: You're listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I hope you're doing well today and that you've been enjoying my recent episodes. Here is another new one published very soon after the last one. This episode, I think, is number 811. And episode 810 was published only yesterday. I'm recording this on Thursday, the 9th of February. And I published episode 810 yesterday, Wednesday, the 8th of February. So here's a new one, kind of replacing the previous one uh, at the top of the list. But don't forget about the other one, okay? Episode 810 is there. You might have missed it So don't miss it. It's a good episode. It's a nice episode. Anyway, let me talk to you um, about this episode. Now, just in case you don't know, this is a podcast for learners of English, and it's here to provide some regular listening practice and generally to help improve my listeners' English in various ways. I have a fairly large audience around the world, which I've built up over the nearly 14 years I've been doing this podcast. And in my episodes... I talk about pretty much anything. Often it's funny stuff. Sometimes I tell short stories. I do episodes about British life and culture. I talk to guests. I teach vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation and give general advice and motivation for learning English. And every now and then I talk about what's going on in the news, including some serious stories, which I just feel compelled to talk about. I usually stick to events related to the UK, right? You've Heard me talk about Brexit and, of course, my dad as well with the Rick Thompson report. Normally, um, it's UK-based stuff, especially politics and other serious matters like that. But there are times when I talk about other places too, and this episode is one of those times. As you can see, the episode is called Turkey and Syria Earthquake Appeal slash What is Happening in Iran? articles and vocabulary. So basically this episode is about those two situations, separate situations, but this, I'm going to talk about them both. I want to say that I'm doing this to provide information in order to give support to ordinary people who are suffering as a result of what has happened and what is happening in both situations. Okay, so the basic details of these two separate situations are these. So firstly, early on Monday morning, that's Monday the 6th of February 2023, an area near the border between Turkey and Syria was hit by several massive earthquakes. Buildings have been turned to rubble. At present, nearly 12,000 people have been killed, as far as we know. And many more have been left homeless and are having to survive without infrastructure, without a great deal of resources, and in very cold conditions. Okay. Another situation, completely separate from that, is in Iran, where for months and months now, there have been huge struggles between protesters and the government and police. The protesters have been demonstrating in order to stand up for their human rights and freedoms, especially the rights of women. The response of the government has been to crack down on those protests using a great deal of force and to try to control information around the situation, including putting restrictions on internet use. Women in particular there are fighting to maintain their basic human rights and their efforts to defend them have been met with strict and crushing treatment from the authorities. Now, what I just said just there about Iran is based on um, a few reports that I've read and also quite a lot of emails which I've received from podcast listeners in Iran. Okay? Now, I'll say again that these two situations are not connected... But I am going to talk about them both in this episode, the earthquake in the first half of the episode and then the situation in Iran in the second half. Okay, so the first situation, the earthquake, is the result of a natural disaster, of course. But there are political elements to it, too, particularly in terms of, you know, uh, the response and, and other such things there are political elements, but it's mainly a a natural disaster. I I might not go into the political stuff. I probably won't, in fact. Uh, uh, But anyway, the second situation in Iran is clearly more political and therefore potentially more problematic for me to talk about. But in any case, I'm just going to report what other people are saying about this situation in Iran. And I'm doing that mainly because I have been asked a lot of times, to do so by my listeners in Iran or listeners who are Iranian, right? Now, I don't always respond to, requ- to requests like that because, well, I might talk about that later in the episode. So I don't necessarily respond to requests to talk about such serious issues in other places on this podcast. But for this episode, I am deciding to do it. Now, this doesn't mean that I will always talk about things like this or that I will always respond to other similar requests or that I will always, you know, do this kind of thing or generally change the overall focus of my podcast towards these kinds of issues. Okay, right. But here it is. I'm going to talk about it here. And I want to show my support to my listeners. I'm not completely sure, honestly, what I can do regarding the situation in Iran, although I will mention some things later. But I can at least raise awareness. And I suppose that that can help. And if my moral support gives anyone even a small boost, then good. I'm going to talk later in the episode about possible criticism that I might get for this or pushback or whatever. Um, and that immediately comes to mind. Whenever I talk about sort of serious things in other places, There's always uh, there are always some people who take issue with it. Um, I'll, I'll talk about those things later on. Okay. But again, I'll just emphasize my aim here is just to show support to people who are suffering, ordinary people. Now, in the case of the earthquake, there are more direct things that we can do right? Chiefly in terms of donating money to charities who can provide direct aid and assistance to those people who are suffering as a direct result of this natural disaster. I'll mention those specific charities in a bit. So again, I'm saying it again, I'm talking about two situations in this long episode, two separate things. I do hope you listen to the whole thing. I realise that for most of you, learning English is the goal. Of course, this whole episode is presented in English and there is a transcript for most of what I'm saying here. So you can check that transcript and use it for practicing your English in the usual ways. Perhaps you can notice the specific language I'm using to talk about and describe these serious events and issues here. Also, I will be going into some specific vocabulary explanations in the second half of this episode when I read through some articles. Okay, so I hope you keep listening and stick around for the whole thing. But it's, it's up to you, of course. Um, forgive me for all my talking here at the start before getting to the main points. I mean, forgive me for not jumping straight to the real substance of this episode and for going on a bit here at the start long-term listeners will probably be used to it by now. Um, But I do try and do that a bit less these days. Anyway, in this case, I'm going on a bit at the start. I hope you understand my reasons for saying all this stuff at the beginning. I feel it's a little tricky to just jump from my normal episodes or the tone of my normal episodes, which are about things like toilets or music or language learning. It's a little tricky to jump from that kind of thing to topics as serious specific and current as these right the adjustment is a bit tricky a certain amount of let's say tonal reframing is necessary here in order to make the transition from my normal content to these serious topics Right to make that transition a bit more palatable, I suppose. So a few certain level of reframing is necessary. So please forgive what you might consider to be padding, rambling, or waffling here, in the form of yet another long introduction. Originally, this episode was only supposed to be about the situation in Iran, and I started planning to talk about Iran ages ago, in December. In fact, before that, actually. Um, but I actually started writing out a specific episode in, this, in the Christmas holidays. To be honest, it was earlier than that. I started writing an episode about Iran earlier than that. I sort of scrapped it and came back to it in December and started something else. Um, and I was finally about to record and publish that very soon. But then the terrible earthquake in Turkey and Syria happened just a few days ago. Right so I was ready to go with the Iran episode and then the earthquake happened just a few days ago. All right. It's again it's this is nothing to do with the region or the the location of these events. The earthquake could have happened anywhere else, right? Um but since I'm doing a sort of serious episode here, uh, I thought that I would, you know, talk about the two situations. Um right? So the earthquake happened just a few days ago. And as I said before, I'm recording this on the 9th of February, 2023. And the earthquake struck on Monday, the 6th of February. Um, So the earthquake happened just a couple of days ago. And I I feel like I also had to talk about the earthquake situation, but I didn't want to put off talking about Iran any longer. So I decided... um, I just decided to talk about both situations in this one single episode, okay? All right. As I said, I hope you you listen to the entire thing. I feel that it wouldn't be right. I felt like it wouldn't be quite right to make an episode like this, um, talking about a humanitarian crisis in Iran, and then just skip over the earthquake, which has just happened, without mentioning that too, Okay. Also, I have quite a big backlog of episodes in a queue. I've got episodes lined up in a queue already ready to be published, right? Including ones which I recorded weeks ago. And I really want to get them published, but I'm I'm putting them on hold at this moment in order to publish this episode. So I'm essentially cramming stuff in here. Now, one of my aims here is to use this opportunity to ask you to consider giving to charities which, which can provide aid to the people affected by the earthquake. I say earthquake, it's more like earthquakes, plural. That's first of all, right? So uh, consider um, helping out by donating to charities. And I'll mention some charities who we can donate to in a few moments, okay? So, so first some details about the earthquake, and then a couple of articles about the situation in Iran with vocabulary explanations too. This will probably end up being really long, right, this episode. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, you will see some chapter markers to help you navigate the episode. If you're listening to the audio podcast version those chapter time codes will be included in the show notes and on my website just to help you navigate the episode if it turns out turns out to be very long so let's let's begin with the earthquake in Turkey and Syria all right okay as i take a, a mouthful of tea just to get ready for this <clears throat> so first let's talk about the earthquake which happened in Turkey and Syria just a few days ago the very basic facts are that several devastating earthquakes have killed thousands of people in Turkey and in Syria. Hundreds of buildings have been destroyed. Survivors are facing freezing conditions and need urgent aid. Okay, the epicentre of the earthquake, or I guess earthquakes, anyway, the epicentre of the earthquake, the the. the largest one was in an area more or less on the border between Turkey and Syria. And so that's the worst affected place. But also this earthquake has affected other neighbouring areas and other countries too. If you're interested in helping out those people in need by supporting charities, a good place to go for more information is the Disasters Emergency Committee, dec.org.uk. The Disasters Emergency Committee. Sometimes it's difficult to know who to trust when it comes to giving to a charity, but the established ones with experience of providing aid on the ground are usually the better ones. And this organisation, the Disasters Emergency Committee, is an association of 15 genuine, registered and experienced charities that can help people suffering in situations like the aftermath of this earthquake. You can find them at dec.org.uk, as I said, and it is possible to donate to them there on that website. Uh, The DEC are also involved in raising money and providing resources and help for people affected by crises in various other places. On their website, they list the Turkey-Syria earthquakes, but also the terrible floods in Pakistan, which have left millions of people in urgent need of help to survive. Those floods happened a while ago now, but this is still a a crisis as well. So there's the, the, the Pakistan floods, which have left millions of people in urgent need of help to survive, and the humanitarian crisis, which has happened due to the conflict in Ukraine. The focus there is on helping millions of people who are left to survive in freezing temperatures without heating or electricity because of the damage done to the infrastructure as a result of the conflict. So the the DEC website shows that they are supporting these three crises in particular. There There will be other crises in other places too, of course. Notably, there is the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Yemen. Right, and UNICEF have an appeal to help refugees affected by that on their website as well, UNICEF.org. Okay, so obviously there are crises happening everywhere. Again, maybe I'm I'm just aware of criticism that someone's going to say, "Why are you talking about this crisis, but you don't talk about this one?" Yeah, I know it's just that's the sort of thing that happens when I do an episode like this. But so be it. Anyway. Back to the emergency in Turkey and Syria. Here is what the Disasters Emergency Committee website says about that. All right. And um, this is a chance to look at the situation in a bit more detail. So I'm now going to go to the uh, dec.org.uk website. Turkey-Syria earthquake appeal. Devastating earthquakes have killed thousands of people in Turkey and Syria. I've, I've kind of said that, right? Goodness me. The death toll has gone up significantly since I I wrote my transcript for this episode. Uh, the website now lists 17,000 people. Um, 17,000 people have died, and many thousands are injured in Turkey and Syria, with numbers expected to rise. <sighs> and uh, UK aid is a sort of a, a, a scheme uh, in the UK, where if you give money to then the u k government will 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 match the donation up to five million pounds, okay, so the u k government is also providing aid. The way they do it is that when members of the public donate, the u k government matches the donation up to five million pounds i mean i'm i I expect that the the amount of money to be raised here will be at least five million pounds in which case the UK government will also donate £5 million. Now, um, the information on the website. A series of devastating earthquakes have hit southern Turkey, now known as Turkiye, and northwest Syria, killing over 17,000 people and injuring many more. The first deadly earthquake struck while people were inside their homes, asleep in their beds. With no warning signs... Thousands of buildings, including hospitals and schools, have collapsed and infrastructure has been badly damaged. Infrastructure refers to things like roads, uh, electricity supply, water supply, uh, sewage removal, all the structural things that we rely on all the time. Infrastructure. Local responders are desperately searching through the rubble for survivors. Rubble, that's piles of broken rock and broken bits of building and stuff. It's just rubble. That's, you know, when buildings collapse and fall to pieces, what is left on the ground is rubble. And as it says, local responders, people who've gone in to try and help, are desperately searching through this rubble for survivors. And there there have been pictures published, sort of incredible pictures, really, of obviously um, the horror of this situation, but also some incredible moments where people have been rescued and reunited with their families and so on. Um, but if I re- continue to read the article... People have been left without shelter in freezing winter conditions and desperately need blankets, emergency shelter, food and clean water. DEC charities and their local partners are among the first responders giving urgent help. Immediate priorities are search and rescue, medical treatment for the injured, shelter for those who've lost their homes, heating in safe spaces, blankets, warm clothes, and ensuring people have food and clean water. How can you help? You can help people affected by the crisis by making a donation and helping to raise money for the DEC appeal. This will allow DEC charities and their local partners to scale up their response and reach more people. Scale it up, mean make it bigger and make it better. £10 could provide blankets to keep two people warm. £25 could provide emergency food for a family for 10 days. £50 could provide emergency shelter for two families. So there are, uh, you know, links on the page where you can donate. Here are some of the latest updates. Um, One from BBC News um, reporting how this committee has launched a a disaster appeal. This is from BBC News. An appeal has been launched by the UK's Disaster Emergency Committee to help hundreds of thousands of people affected by earthquakes that hit Turkey and Syria. DEC Chief Executive Saleh Sa'id described the scenes in Turkey and Syria as heartbreaking, with thousands losing loved ones suddenly in the most shocking of ways despite the challenges they are all experiencing now, aid is getting through and they are scaling up, meaning making it bigger and better. Okay. Um, From the Guardian yesterday, um, the uh, The Guardian have reported that the official death toll from the devastating earthquake that struck Turkey and neighbouring Syria has risen to more than 11,200. That number apparently has gone up now to 17,000. The World Health Organization has warned that up to 23 million people could be affected by the massive earthquake, and urged countries to rush help to the disaster zone, an area spanning a region almost 650 miles long. Um, another one from yesterday, um, from the IT from ITV Independent Television, ITV's Nick Dix Nick Dixon. Reports for Good Morning Britain, he is visiting ongoing rescue efforts in Turkey and Syria. Rescue teams in both countries enter a third day working to find survivors who've been trapped underneath rubble from fallen buildings. Many other survivors across the country are now sleeping in cars, outside or in government shelters as their homes have been destroyed. Okay, I mean, the, 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 the information continues. I also wanted to read from a BBC article, which kind of gives a an overall summary of what's going on. So this is from um, a BBC article that was written at least yesterday and has been updated uh, recently. It, it looks like it was updated four hours ago. So Turkey earthquake... It's being called the Turkey earthquake here, but it's obviously affecting other areas, not just Turkey. But nevertheless, Turkey earthquake, where did it hit and why was it so deadly? Um, More than 17,000 people are now known to have been killed and thousands injured by a huge earthquake which struck southeastern Turkey near the Syrian border in the early hours of Monday morning. The earthquake, which hit near the town of Gaziantep, was closely followed by numerous aftershocks, including one quake, which was almost as large as the first. The death toll is expected to keep rising. Why was it so deadly? Well, the first earthquake was big. It registered at 7.8, classified as major on the official magnitude scale. It broke along about 100 kilometres of fault line, causing serious damage to buildings near the fault. Okay, the fault line is a kind of a dividing line between two uh plates right two tectonic plates so you get these various fault lines in different places in the places in the world and um you know earthquakes uh can happen in those areas seven point five magnitude was the uh, was the second quake the first one seven point eight both near very the epicentre of those earthquakes very close to each other. Professor Joanna Fowler-Walker, head of the Institute for Risk and Disaster Reduction at University College London said, of the deadliest earthquakes in any given year, only two in the last 10 years have been of equivalent magnitude and four in the previous 10 years. But it's not only the power of the tremor that causes devastation. This incident occurred in the early hours of the morning when people were inside and sleeping. The sturdiness, that's like the strength uh, of the buildings, their ability to stand up. The sturdiness of the buildings is also a factor. Dr. Carmen Solana, reader in volcanology and risk communication at the University of Portsmouth, says, The resistant infrastructure is enormous the resistant infrastructure is unfortunately patchy, meaning there are some areas that are better than others, but it's, there are many areas that are quite poor or not great. So, the resistant infrastructure is unfortunately patchy in South Turkey and especially Syria. I suppose resistant infrastructure is specific instru- infrastructure designed to be able to resist earthquakes, right? Including buildings that are able to maybe flex and move right? Um, But apparently this is very patchy in South Turkey and especially Syria. So saving lives now mostly relies on response. Okay. Um, The next 24 hours are crucial to find survivors. After 48 hours, the number of survivors decreases enormously for obvious reasons. This was a region where there had not been a major earthquake for more than 200 years or any warning signs. So the level of preparedness would be less than for a region which was more used to dealing with tremors, right? So they basically the region wasn't prepared because they hadn't had an earthquake like this for 200 years, over 200 years. So you can imagine the buildings would not be earthquake resistant The whole area wasn't really ready for this. Um, What caused the earthquake? Well, the Earth's crust, right, which is like the layer of rock around the surface of the Earth, the Earth's crust is made up of separate bits called plates that nestle alongside each other right? They, they kind of go up against each other or maybe overlap each other. These plates often try to move, but are prevented by the friction of rubbing up against an adjoining one. So another plate which is next to it. But sometimes the pressure builds until one plate suddenly jerks across, causing the surface to move. It's a bit like if you, you know, put two things together and push them together. Instead of smoothly moving, they might suddenly jerk that causes the surface to move and ripple. In this case, it was the Arabian plate moving northwards and grinding against the Anatolian plate. there There are images on the BBC's websites of the various fault lines around Turkey and Syria. Friction from the plates has been responsible for very damaging earthquakes in the past. On the 13th of August 1822, it caused an earthquake registering 7.4 in magnitude, significantly less than the 7.8 magnitude recorded on Monday. Even so, the 19th century earthquake resulted in immense damage to towns in the area, with 7,000 deaths recorded in the city of Aleppo alone. Damaging aftershocks continued for nearly a year. There have already been several aftershocks following the current earthquake, and scientists are expecting it to follow the same trend as the previous big one in the region. That means there might be more aftershocks going on for quite a long time. There's a a little diagram here which kind of explains the earth how the earthquake was caused by a strip a strike-slip fault. A certain kind of fault. Rocks beneath the surface contain points of weakness. So I suppose these rocks have cracks in them where the fault line is. Movements cause the rocks to deform. So if one plate moves one way and another plate moves another way, right, um, that can cause the rocks um, between each plate to deform or change shape or crack. When stress exceeds the strength of the rock, so when the the force of movement um It becomes greater than the strength of the rock. Then the rock fractures along a fault and then moves suddenly. Uh, How are earthquakes measured? They're measured on a scale called the moment magnitude scale, MW. This has replaced the better known Richter scale, now considered outdated and less accurate. So now we have the moment magnitude scale. The number attributed to an earthquake represents a combination of the distance the fault line has moved and the force that moved it. A tremor of 2.5 or less usually can't be felt, but can be detected by instruments. Quakes of up to five are felt and cause minor damage. The Turkish earthquake... At 7.8, it's classified as major and usually causes serious damage, as it has in this instance. Anything above 8 causes catastrophic damage and can totally destroy communities at its centre. How does this compare with other large earthquakes? On the 26th of December 2004, one of the largest earthquakes ever recorded struck off the coast of Indonesia, triggering a tsunami that swept away entire communities around the Indian Ocean. That was 2004. Um, That was a magnitude 9.1 quake, and it killed about 228,000 people. It actually happened off the coast of Indonesia. So it happened, the epicenter was under the ocean. The tsunami was the main, you know, um, thing that caused the damage, I guess. Another earthquake, more recently off the coast of Japan in 2011 registered as magnitude 9 and caused widespread damage on the land and caused a tsunami it led to a major accident at the fukushima nuclear plant along the coast the largest ever earthquake registered uh, was 9.5 and was recorded in chile in 1960 so those are some earthquakes in the past so there you go that's an overview of the situation again Consider donating to Disasters Emergency Committee, that's dec.org.uk, if you would like to offer your support. There may be other similar um, charities and organisations offering support in your country that you could donate to as well. But there you go. I mean, (laughs) what more can be said? I don't know, really. Also, I think the the, the conflict that had been happening in Syria um, also meant that Infrastructure there was probably very poor as well, and people all were already trying to recover from that situation, and then this earthquake arrived on top of that, um, making it even more severe the situation there. Okay, so that's the that's what I wanted to say about the earthquake um, uh, and the resulting crisis. Okay, there you go. Um, consider making a donation if you are able to. Let's move on now to the sort of second half of this episode. And this is the situation in Iran. Okay, which is, as I said, this is not a natural disaster. This is more of a political situation, which does make me, it's, it's potentially more problematic for me to talk about, but I'm going to do it anyway. Now, I don't know if you are aware, but there is a humanitarian crisis happening in Iran. According to Amnesty International, hundreds of protesters are being killed, tortured and ill-treated for peacefully protesting for women's rights. For months and months, people have been asking me to use my podcast as a platform to talk about this situation. Um, I did mention it a couple of times on the podcast last year at the end of a couple of episodes in the audio versions, uh, when I often will ramble at the end of episodes and just give my thoughts on what I've been doing and perhaps respond to some comments from listeners. Okay, so that's what I often do at the end of my audio episodes. Um, Right. I will often have a bit of a ramble and kind of give some news and stuff. But not everyone listens to the end of my audio episodes. Um, And those moments don't appear in the YouTube versions. And so I suppose not a lot of people heard those comments that I made, those brief comments I made about Iran. They were mainly just words of support for people in Iran and other places where things are tough. So now I'm going to talk about it in more detail, Uh, read read from some articles and explain some related vocabulary. My aim for this is just to... Uh, is just to talk about what's going on in order to give support to people who are struggling and also just to raise awareness of the situation. But criticism, I've got to mention this. I find that whenever I talk about something serious like this, especially when it involves another country, not my own, people are quite happy for me to talk about sort of serious stuff in my own country. But whenever I start to talk about something somewhere else, and I'm not really even, am I criticising? I don't know. And that's not my aim. I'm just reporting. But whenever I talk about these sorts of things, it seems to invite criticism from people. Now, obviously, this is a very serious story. And I should say that I have not been to Iran, right, and I haven't seen things firsthand, but my impression is, from what I've read and from emails which I've received from listeners in Iran, and quite a few people have got in touch with me in various ways, my understanding is that this situation is horrendous and people are suffering. In this part of the episode, in a moment, I'm just going to read a couple of online articles about the situation. These are things reported by people who, as far as I know, have done their best to find out what's actually happening. And I'll use those examples as texts for learning English as well. I'll read them to you and then highlight some vocabulary for you. Okay, but before we do that, let me just give a few more of my personal comments about doing this episode. Um, this will just be a couple of minutes, then we'll read the articles and look at vocabulary. So, this episode is a bit late, these protests and clashes have been going on for months and months, and of course, there is a lot of history here in this region. I'm a, I'm a bit late to this topic, I'm recording this as I've said in February 2023. Okay. And, you know, many of you may have become aware of these things months ago. Now, as I said before, I did try several times to record an episode about this last year, but I kind of stopped myself. I just ended up feeling a bit kind of crushed by the seriousness of the situation. You know, normally I talk about other things, you know, I'm a bit more comfortable talking about just sort of slightly more silly things or just fun, entertaining things. So when it came to talking about something so serious, it felt a bit much. Sorry, I'm no expert and I, I wouldn't want to get anything wrong. Now, some people might not understand how I feel there. Okay. But imagine for yourself, imagine standing up in front of a big crowd of thousands and thousands of people from all over the world and talking about this to them in front of a huge audience, going up in front of everyone and talking about something so serious, okay, that that is happening in a place that, you know, you haven't actually experienced. Now, how would you feel doing that? You might feel a bit nervous about it, right? Yeah, well, me too. Um, However, um, my personal doubts and reservations about doing this are relatively small concerns, really especially compared to the seriousness of this situation and what other people are experiencing just because they want to live their lives with a bit of freedom. Now, if you disagree with what I'm saying or doing in this episode, or for whatever reason, please do write a comment under this episode in polite language, in a diplomatic way, and back it up with some evidence of some kind, or at least develop your argument coherently and clearly, rather than just expressing an opinion very quickly. Okay. So if you do feel moved to write to me in response to these things, I just want you to do it in a considered way and a considerate way as well. Okay. Now, honestly, I don't know who will disagree with what I'm doing, But in my experience, when I talk about serious things in other countries, as I've said, there are always some people who take offence to it for one reason or another. Right now, I want to say that I'm not criticising another country. I'm not criticising Iran or Iranian people or whatever. I'm not doing that. Rather, I am actually showing support or I'm trying to. I'm not making any statements about religion. I'm not making a statement about what needs to be done here on an international diplomatic level by other countries or anything. I'm not making those statements. Now, this is a very seri- uh, serious and sensitive situation, both within the country and in terms of international relations. Okay, so I'm not making any statements about what needs to be done on an international diplomatic level. No. Uh, right? But anyway, if you disagree with this for whatever reason, and you suddenly feel compelled to write something in response, please take a moment to stop and consider carefully what you're writing before you do it. Because it's easy to be triggered and to write something quickly, but I would like people to give considered, reasonable and respectful responses only, please. I think it's fair of me to say that. If you feel I've missed something Put it in the comment section if you feel i 'm not getting the full picture, put it in the comments section. Also, if you agree with the way i 'm describing things and you think i'm you know giving a fair description or at least the reports that i 'm reading from are fair and accurate, then uh, you know let us know as well right and you know if you want to add other comments, feel free um hopefully everyone will be in agreement here. But let me now try to put my personal doubts to one side and focus instead on just showing support for Lepsters. That's listeners to my podcast, Luke's English podcast. Lepsters are my listeners. I just want to show support for Lepsters and non-Lepsters, of course, in Iran and in fact anywhere else who are suffering and to give a bit of podcast time to what is happening there. So, articles and vocabulary. I've found several articles about what's happening. The first is from the BBC, and I do want to show that this situation is being reported by the BBC. Maybe not on their primetime evening TV news show every day, but they are reporting it on their website. And another article is from Al Jazeera, and there are some threads I found on Reddit too, with some video footage, probably recorded on mobile phones which I will not be showing, by the way, because it's too shocking. Uh, I'll read each article, maybe give some comments, and then I'll summarise a selection of vocabulary from each one. So we'll start with the BBC's article, um, which is entitled Iran, a really simple guide to the protests. Now, I know the BBC gets criticised by everyone on all sides, often for completely different reasons. But let's just read this and see what it says. Okay, so I'm opening up the article now. Let's have a look. So, Iran, a really simple guide to the protests. And this was written in October 2022. I guess when the protests were uh, like the first sort of when, when when the clashes and the conflicts and stuff first blew up, as it were. So, people have been protesting across Iran for almost six weeks, defying a deadly crackdown by security forces. The demonstrations are seen as the most serious challenge to the Iranian authorities in decades. What are the protests about? It all started with the death of Mahsa Amini, a 22-year-old woman arrested by morality police uh, in Tehran, on the 13th of September, for allegedly violating Iran's strict rules requiring women to cover their hair with a hijab or headscarf. Uh, There were reports that officers beat her head with a baton. The police said she suffered a heart attack. To support their claim, authorities released footage of Ms. Amini collapsing in a police station, but the clip, along with images of her in a coma, Enraged ordinary Iranians. The protests, uh, the first protests took place after Ms. Amini's funeral in the western city of Sakez when women ripped off their headscarves in solidarity. Since then, the protests have swelled with demands from more freedoms to an overthrow of the state. Okay, so Masa Amini, 22 year old woman, she was arrested by Police, but not just police, morality police, which is a rather Orwellian sounding phrase. Morality police, I suppose, they're there to police issues of morality. Um, In this case, that includes the wearing of of headscarves in public. Um, So she was arrested by them. The allegedly for violating Iran's strict rules about headscarves. That's the allegation. Now, when when allegedly is used, it just means that this is what is claimed, but it hasn't been proven yet. Okay, so it's a way of kind of covering yourself. So this is what the uh, Iranian authorities have alleged that she broke the morality codes or broke the law f- f- regarding uh, her headscarf. Now, that appears to be... Um, um, people disagree with that, right? And they, they claim that that's not true. Maybe she was arrested. We, we're not entirely sure. Um, there were reports that officers beat her head with a baton. So some people say that the officers actually hit her on the head with a baton. The police said that she suffered a heart attack. Uh, You know, again, people have said and I've read uh, messages from people saying that uh, she was she was killed. The official report is that she had a heart attack. And to support their claim, authorities released footage of this woman collapsing in a police station. So the police published video footage of her collapsing in the police station, which is horrible. But this clip including images of her in a coma, just made ordinary Iranians absolutely furious. It enraged them. Uh, The first protests took place after Ms. Amini's funeral in the western city of Sakez, and women ripped off their headscarves in solidarity to show support. Since then, the protests have swelled, meaning got bigger, with demands from more freedoms to an overthrow of the state. Okay, what role are women playing? Videos have shown women defiantly setting their headscarves on fire and cutting their hair in public to chants of woman life freedom and death to the death to the dictator. A reference to the supreme leader, uh, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. While some women have publicly protested against the hijab before, cases have been isolated and dealt with severely. So when these protests have happened before, these isolated protests, sort of individual protests, not part of a much larger organised movement, these things have been dealt with individually and severely. So the police really cracked down on each individual protest quite hard. And But there has been nothing compared to the current scale of protests. In an unprecedented show of support, schoolgirls have also been demonstrating in playgrounds and on the streets. So playgrounds are those spaces, you know, uh, that s- schools have where the kids play during break time. Schoolgirls have been demonstrating too. Men and teenage boys have also participated in large numbers and backed the women's demands. How have authorities reacted? So when we say authorities, we mean, you know, the police and other government um, uh, government organised um, groups of people who have authority to enforce the law, the authorities, they have played down the protests and tried to suppress them with force. So played down the protests. That means sort of they've said, oh, the protests are not that serious. They've made the protests seem smaller and perhaps less important uh, than they actually are. And they've suppressed them with force. So they've Push them down using using force, which would be uh, physical force. Ayatollah Khomeini has accused the United States and Israel, Iran's arch enemies, of orchestrating riots, dismissed by critics as fabricated. So, Khomeini suggests that the riots or the protests have been orchestrated by the United States and Israel. Okay. Uh, How many people have been killed? Well, the BBC and other independent media are barred from reporting from inside Iran, making it difficult to verify what is claimed by state media. Okay, so the state media—that's the government-controlled media—have been making claims about, for example, the number of people who have been killed um, in during these protests, um, and the BBC and other independent media are not allowed to report from inside Iran. Okay. Um so so it's hard to actually verify. It's hard to know what the state media is saying, you know, which things are actually true and which things are not true. It's hard to verify that because journalists don't actually have access to the to Iran. Social media activists Sorry, social media activists and human rights groups help provide a picture, although authorities have disrupted internet and phone services. Iran Human Rights, a Norway-based group, has said at least 234 people, including 29 children, have been killed by security forces. Security forces have denied killing peaceful protesters, but they have been filmed firing live ammunition on the streets. They have been... they have been filmed firing live ammunition on the streets. How do they compare to previous protests? In 2009, millions of people took to the streets after a disputed presidential election. A disputed election. I think we know what that is considering some of the election presidential elections we've had in recent history that have been disputed. But, you know, that's when And uh, a presidential election happens and people say, no, it's it's rigged or um, uh, there's election voter fraud happening um, and people don't believe the results of the election, especially, you know, when you're dealing with a very corrupt system. So in 2009, millions of people took to the streets after a disputed presidential election. However, the unrest was limited to major cities and was led by the middle class. Economic hardship triggered nationwide protests in 2017 and 2019, but they took place mostly in working class areas. Now, though, for the first time, protests involve people from all sections of society and age groups and have spread across dozens of cities and towns. So that's the overview from the BBC's website. Let me go through some vocabulary extracts. Okay, so number one, this, people have been protesting across Iran for almost six weeks, defying a deadly crackdown by security forces. To defy something means to refuse to obey so the 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 uh, crackdown which is like maybe where security forces impose curfews or they impose other strong restrictions if people defy those restrictions it means they refuse to obey them so that might mean going outdoors when there is a curfew or doing other things which are which have been uh, made illegal uh, a crackdown this is when uh, police or government use um a lot of force to punish people who are breaking the law okay so you you know for example you might hear uh, uh police have launched a crackdown on drug dealing in the city that means they suddenly use a lot more make a lot more effort and use a lot more force to try to um stop uh this particular activity so people have been protesting for six weeks, well, it's long. It's longer now, probably. Defying a deadly crackdown by security forces, a 22-year-old woman was arrested by morality police in Tehran on the 13th of September for allegedly violating Iran's strict rules re- requiring women to cover their hair. Allegedly, as I said before, people say this. Uh, well this is used when people say that something is true but it hasn't been proven in court yet. So you know if you for example if people say that John Smith is a bank robber um you know it would be like but this hasn't been proven yet John Smith who allegedly um stole thousands of pounds from the central bank you know it just means that people have said that he did that but it hasn't been proven yet in court. So, allegedly. People say it's true, but it hasn't actually been proven yet. So, she allegedly violated Iran's rules, but this is yet to be proven. Um, To violate rules is to break rules, basically, okay? Um, You can also violate someone's rights. Not that you should, but in terms of language, violate rules, violate human rights, Third extract, they beat her head with a baton. So the verb is beat, beat, beaten, meaning hit, right? Um, They beat her head with a baton. A baton, in this case, is a weapon used by police. It's kind of like a stick, right? You know, those kinds of things that police might carry. If they're wearing riot gear, they wear helmets, they have shields and protection on their bodies, and they might have batons, which they might use to try and hit uh, protesters. (coughs) The protests have swelled with demands from more freedoms to an overthrow of the state. So the protests have swelled. To swell means to get larger. Okay, you can imagine it like a big bubble getting bigger and bigger. Okay, We, we... a part of your body might swell as well. For example, if um, you know if you, you you injure your ankle, the the your ankle might swell, uh, meaning it kind of fills up with water as a way of protecting the ankle to let it heal. So swelling, a swelling. Uh, the protests in this case have swelled, meaning they've got bigger and bigger. With demands. So demands are what people want. They're in the street going, we want you know, we want this, we want this, whatever it is that they're demanding. These are their demands. Uh, from more freedoms, so this is like one level of demand, to an overthrow of the state. So the, the kind of uh, milder demands are just certain fr- freedoms, and the bigger demands, the more serious demands, maybe, are, uh, would include the overthrow of the state. So an overthrow, this is when the government are, or is, it's one of those words that could be both, is or are, the government is removed by force. And, and replaced. Uh, number five, videos have shown them defiantly setting their headscarves on fire and cutting their hair. Okay, so to, if you do something defiantly, it means you, you do it in a way that strongly shows that you will not obey. So the police are saying, don't do that. And then people just do it as a way to say, you can't stop us. So strongly showing that they will not obey. So in this case, they are def- they, the videos have shown people, women, defiantly setting their headscarves on fire. To set something on fire means to make it burn with fire. So taking a lighter or matches and ch- ch- brrr, making something burn argh, as a way of protesting. Defiantly, because the, the strict rules are that those headscarves have to be um, worn in public. And apparently, you know, the, the, the uh, punishment for not doing that or not even wearing them fully is very severe, it seems. Um, one headscarf, two headscarves. Hear the difference? A headscarf, so a scarf and two scarves. It's just the plural. Number six. In an unprecedented show of support, schoolgirls, have also been demonstrating in playgrounds and on the streets. So an an unprecedented show of support. If something's unprecedented, it means it's never happened before. There is no precedent for it. It's never happened before. Uh, Seven, men and teenage boys have also participated in large numbers and backed the women's demands. To back something, to back someone to back a person or to back someone's demands is to support someone. Okay. I'll add a point here of pronunciation, which is uh, one woman. So the pronunciation of the singular and plural forms of the word woman and um, some women. Do you notice the difference? One woman and some women. So that plural, it sounds kind of like well it's it it totally sounds like eh so it's that o in woman w o m e n the o is pronounced with an eh sound and the e is also pronounced with an eh sound so we have women okay one woman two women and then one man and two men but it's the plural women that people often don't pronounce correctly uh women okay so women have been protesting. Um, number eight, authorities have played down the protests and tried to suppress them with force. So as I said before, to play something down is to say that things are not as serious as people think. So it's like, oh no, it's just been a few isolated protests that's you know, just a few, uh, a few extremists, they're playing it down. Whereas in fact, it's, it's, it's a lot more widespread than that. Oh, it's not that serious. It's just a few extremists. They're playing it down, making it seem less serious than it really is. Oh, uh, I don't know if they've been doing it like that. Uh, But anyway, Uh, to suppress something is to control it and keep it down, prevent it from rising. Okay. And uh, suppressing with force. Force here means physical actions and uh, violence. Uh, extract number nine. Ayatollah Khomeini has accused the United States and Israel, Iran's arch enemies, of orchestrating riots dismissed by critics as fabricated. OK, so to orchestrate something means to make something happen, to plan it and to control it. A bit like a conductor in front of an orchestra. You know, the person who stands up in front of an orchestra of musicians and waves their hands or waves a baton in order to sort of orchestrate things, to conduct the orchestra, to direct them. Um, so, according to Khomeini, these riots have been orchestrated by the United States and Israel. So, it's a kind of, you know, conspiracy theory type thing. Um, dismissed by critics as fabricated. But I'm not, I'm not entirely sure which things have been fabricated. If the riots have been fabricated, the orchestrating has been fabricated, or the accusation has been fabricated. I don't know, in fact. But anyway, someone, critics have dismissed something as fabricated. If you dismiss something, you say it's not true, or you say it's not important. No, that's just made up. No, that's just that's fake news. Just dismiss it and if something's fabricated it means it's made up it's been kind of created synthesized made up it's not true it's not real it's lies so fabricated information is information that someone has just created lies essentially so critics have said that something is 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 fabricated it's it's not true um i don't know if that's I don't know which statement it is that exactly has been fabricated there. It's not clear to me. Anyway, number 10, the BBC and other independent media are barred from reporting from inside Iran. So barred means blocked, not allowed to do something. Okay, like you might be barred from a pub, that means that you're not allowed to go into that pub, maybe because you did something wrong the weekend before, right, you're barred, you're not allowed back in here. In this case, uh the Iranian government have barred the BBC and other independent media from reporting from inside Iran. Why have they been why have they done that? Well, probably quite obvious, isn't it, really, don't you think? I mean they will say, oh no, the BBC and other independent media are making up fake news about the situation. Mm-hmm, really. Um making it difficult to verify, making it, to verify something is to kind of check if something is real or true. This makes it difficult to verify what is claimed by state media. I know I'm I, now. I know who I'm going to get in replying to me. There's going to be people who, 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 who say that that that's true. That you know, they'll they'll tell me that the uh, the protests are not as serious. You know, there'll be people replying to me, playing down all of this stuff and saying you don't know what you're talking about. The protests of uh haven't been happening in fact most ordinary iranians don't agree with the protests and you know these protesters have have um, injured the injured many people a lot of the damage a lot of the the, the reported deaths has, have been as a result of the protesters not because of the police or the government i'll probably get that kind of response won't i um so uh making it difficult to verify meaning check if it's true or not what is claimed meaning what is what people have said is true by state media. And by state media, we mean uh, media, that's TV stations, websites, papers, radio, uh, media, which is owned by or controlled by the state. And that's the government, basically. Okay. Uh, Number 11, authorities have disrupted internet and phone services. So authorities, I mentioned this earlier, this would just be People who've been given authority by the government to enforce the law. So that means the police and other agencies working for the state, which have power given by the state. Um, Extract 12. Security forces have denied killing peaceful demonstrators. So to deny doing something means to just say that they didn't do it. So they've said, no, we didn't kill any peaceful protesters or demonstrators. Protest. A protester and a demonstrator, more or less the same thing. Okay, so the security forces have denied this. They said they didn't do it, but they have been filmed firing live ammunition on the streets. They've been filmed firing live ammunition on the streets. So to deny doing something to say is to say that they didn't do it. And to fire live ammunition means to shoot real bullets from guns to fire ammunition. Ammunition is the, essentially the bullets, and to fire ammunition is to shoot that ammunition out of guns. So they're, they've been filmed firing live ammunition on the streets. I mentioned before some posts that I saw on Reddit with videos, and I did see videos of people firing live ammunition in the streets. Um, on the subject of live ammunition... Here's some vocabulary related to guns and bullets. Okay. We often hear uh, references to these sorts of firearms, bullets, rounds, magazines, ammunition. What's the difference between all these things? Let me go into it now. So live ammunition and live rounds. So live here means real bullets uh, as opposed to blanks or rubber bullets. Live bullets, live ammunition means ones that actually have the metal projectiles that fly out and kill people, as opposed to blanks, which make the noise, which can be loaded into guns and make the noise, but they don't have the killing projectile part. So live ammunition means real bullets. A round, or often rounds, like live rounds, what is a round? uh it's this is a countable noun, so one round, two rounds, three rounds a round is basically a bullet okay or or bullets um okay the 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 a round uh includes hmm yeah okay a round is a is the projectile that comes out of the gun, okay you actually load into uh, that is right isn't it that is right let me just make sure. So I'm looking up the word round, preposition, preposition, adverb, 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 many different meanings of the word round. Preposition, preposition, adverb, adverb, preposition, all these different meanings. Mm hmm. Hold on. Uh, round. Ra- I, I want round cartridge. Uh, difference. Come on, come on internet Okay, uh, the words are used interchangeably, uh, re- especially re- re- regarding metal cased ammunition for, for if you look that's a cartridge and a round okay, 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 I've got it, I've got it. so bullets are the things that fly out of the end of the gun and that will kill or seriously injure someone, right? That's a bullet. A round is what is loaded into the gun, okay? So, that is also known as a cartridge, okay? That's also known as a cartridge. So, that includes the metal cylinder, which contains the projectile, that's the bullet, okay? Um, um, it Also, the propellant substance, that's the gunpowder, which which explodes, And an ignition device, okay, that's the the thing that causes the the bullet, uh, the gunpowder to explode. And the casing, the casing is the metal bit that ping, comes out of the gun uh, and falls to the floor as it is ejected from the gun. So a round or a cartridge, let me just, let me just change this here. mm -hmm hmm (laughs) <laughs> a cartridge, forward slash around. Yeah. Okay. cart. Tr- Sorry about this little delay here. Um, a moment where I changed the uh, notes I'm write, uh, reading from. So, a cartridge or cartridges or a round or rounds, this is the thing that gets loaded into the gun. It contains the bullet or the projectile. It contains the gunpowder, which f- makes the projectile fly out when it, I- when it ignites, and the ignition device and the shell casing, which is ejected from the gun after the bullet's been fired out. Okay, that's a cartridge or a round. Then we've got the word ammunition, and this ammunition, ammunition is uncountable. So, how much ammunition, not a lot of ammunition, some ammunition, refers to all the things that are fired from guns, including bullets, rockets, mortars, shells. That's generally known as ammunition, you know, um, ammo. Okay. So, that's uh, um, live ammunition, live rounds, a cartridge, uh, bullets, and then a magazine a magazine as well. Uh, a magazine is basically a cartridge full of rounds. So this is what is loaded into the handle of a gun. You've seen it, seen people do it in the movies, where it's the thing that is attached onto the bottom of a firearm. And it's like a long sort of rectangular thing full of rounds. So the rounds are loaded into the magazine cartridge. No, the rounds are loaded into the magazine and the magazine is then attached put into the gun and then uh, from that magazine the um the 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 rounds are um go into the uh into into the gun which can be fired out of the um barrel <sighs> okay i'm no expert on on firearms I, I think i've got that right but i mean obviously i <laughs> Uh, I'm not a gun nut, so I don't know all the details. But anyway, there you go. Bullets come out at the end. The round is what you is 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 what is in the gun at the beginning. The uh, magazine is what contains all the rounds and is slotted into the handle of the, um, of, the of the gun or into the bottom of the rifle, uh, if 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 it's an automatic uh, firearm. Okay. Point number thirteen. In 2009, millions of people took to the streets after a disputed presidential election. So to take to the streets means to go into the streets, probably to protest. And if something is disputed, it means people say that it wasn't fair or wasn't right and uh, they disagree with it. Okay. Number 14. However, the unrest was limited to major cities and was led by the middle class. Unrest, uh, this means when people go into a public place to demonstrate or to riot and everyone is angry in the street. That's unrest. By the way, uh, protest and demonstration, similar things. People going into the street to um, express their dissatisfaction about something and to chant and to um, to try to change things. That's a demonstration or a protest. Then a riot is when people start getting uh, violent and start breaking things or fighting with the police. That's a riot. Okay, so that's the difference. A protest and a demonstration. Same. And a riot is uh, when people are in the street being violent. Uh, Point 15. Economic hardship triggered nationwide protests in 2017 and 2019. Economic hardship. Hardship means difficulty or hard times. So this triggered... Nationwide protests. To trigger something is to cause something to happen. In a gun, you have a trigger. You pull the trigger. That causes the bullet to be fired. In this case, economic hardship, so very difficult economic conditions, caused the protests to happen in 2017 and 2019. Nationwide protests. Protests that happened across the whole nation or or across the whole country. And point 16, the last in my list. Now, though, for the first time, protests involve people from all sections of society. So if something involves people, it means these people are included and they are actively participating. Right? So the the protests involve people from all sections of society, not just the middle class, not just working class, but everyone is involved. Um, And have spread across dozens of cities and towns. Dozens just means a lot, a lot of. Okay. Technically, a dozen is 12. But when you say dozens, it just means a lot or a large number. Okay. Right. (coughs) Excuse me. Let's move on to Reddit. Now, as you may know, Reddit is a website where website users can have discussions about almost anything. This is user-generated content, and there is some citizen journalism here. That's just where basically ordinary citizens um, essentially kind of report on what's going on and maybe use their mobile phones to film things that are happening. So that's citizen journalism including direct video evidence from people who, it seems, were actually there, as far as I can tell. Now, I'm going to read a response from a user called Zedle, Zedlx. This is a user on Red, uh, Reddit responding to a question in the subreddit, Out of the Loop, asking what is happening in Iran. So, someone posted that question in that subreddit, Out of the Loop, which is a quite a useful uh, subreddit it's a place where essentially uh, people report on generally what's going on so if you don't really know what's going on, you can go into out, uh, reddit slash out of the loop and you'll find sort of various uh, posts about some of the big events going on in the world at the time at the moment um, so Zedlux responded to a question about what's happening in Iran. <clears throat> And there are links in the text for some of these things. Um, Clicking the links takes us to other bits of media, including some shocking video footage of women being beaten by police. And I've put that in quote marks, police, because, I mean, are they police? A A lot of these people seem to be in plain clothes, not in uniform. So we don't really know who these people are. Um, But there's footage of women being beaten by them, Uh, protesters fighting with police, and even footage of police shooting live rounds, that's real bullets, into crowds of protesters. I won't be showing those videos because they're far too sensitive, but a quick look at Reddit will show them. And please only do that at your own discretion and at your own risk. And remember, you can find all of the, the transcript and all the links and stuff I'm reading from, you can find it all on my website. For this. So, that comment on Reddit by Zedlux in response to the question, What is happening in Iran? So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of saying what's already been said, but just from a different source. So, a woman died in police custody. custody, police custody. This is when um, uh, someone is held by police in a jail in the police station or, you know, anywhere, but just held by police and not allowed to go free, that's in police custody. So a woman died in police custody after she was arrested for not wearing a hijab properly. Not even, so she was wearing one, she just wasn't wearing it properly. Many Iranians went on protest by taking off their hijabs and burning them and cutting their hair and then I've added a note here from me, taking huge risks because they could be arrested and possibly beaten or worse. The government responded by sending out the riot police to break up the protests. Their heavy-handed tactics, indiscriminately beating protesters, shooting into crowds and so on, caused violence to escalate. Heavy-handed that's sort of like, essentially, in the, in the case of uh, riot police, if they are heavy-handed, it means that they've been very rough and violent. Indiscriminately beating protesters. So just beating people without discriminating between, for example, protesters who are being violent and protesters who are just there, peacefully protesting. The riot police are just beating anyone. Just Indiscriminately and shooting into crowds, and so on, caused violence to escalate or swell. Now the government is enacting a communications blackout to prevent videos of the protests from being broadcast. The people have have a limited workaround using VPNs and Tor, which is how they spread the news and videos of the protests. So you'll find a link to the comment. Just, again, a, a summary of some of the vocab. In police custody, as I said... Held by police, to protest, to go on protest, to demonstrate, and to, uh, and a demonstration, those words. And then contrast that with a riot, or to riot, or to clash with police or demonstrators. That's when um, things get violent. Sending out riot police. Riot police are police, you know, in all the riot gear, the helmets, the batons, the shields and stuff. Sending out riot police to break up the protests, meaning to separate all the people and stop the protests. Uh, They caused violence to escalate. So violence escalates. It goes up. It gets worse. Um To enact a communications uh, blackout, a communications blackout is basically when communication is stopped. So I suppose this means controlling the internet and sort of restricting the internet and so on. And then people are are using uh, VPNs as a workaround. A workaround is like a solution that allows you to get around a problem. It's a workaround, and that is a noun. We found a workaround by using a VPN, okay? Okay. Right, so that was that was the uh, Reddit story, essentially saying the same things. And then finally, I've got one from Al Jazeera, which is a, a more recent story, uh, or at least it was when I first started preparing this. Here's a note to myself would I, that I wrote here. Just read this out and give some comments on some bits of vocabulary while you read. There isn't time for a full vocabulary list. So I'm just going to read through this Al Jazeera article without maybe going into the same amount of detail that I did with the other ones. So this is a story about a high-profile Iranian actress who's been arrested for supporting part of the protest. The actress, uh, Taraneh Alidousti starred in a film which won an Academy Award in Hollywood a few years ago. So let me just read through that. Um, Okay. Iranian authorities arrested one of the country's most famous actresses on charges of spreading falsehoods about nationwide protests that grip the country, state media said on Saturday. The report by the Islamic Republic news agency Said Tarana Alidusti, star of the Oscar winning movie The Salesman, was jailed a week after she made a post on Instagram expressing solidarity with the first man recently executed for crimes allegedly committed during the nationwide protests. Uh, I The Islamic Republic news agency, also said several other Iranian celebrities had been summoned by the judiciary body over publishing provocative content. It did not say how many or provide further details. According to the report published on the state media's official Telegram channel, Ali Dusti was arrested because she did not provide any documents in line with her claims. In her post, the 38-year-old actress said his name was Mohsen uh, shikari every international organization who is watching this bloodshed and not taking action is a disgrace to humanity shikari was executed this is this man um what is it that apparently he was executed for crimes allegedly committed during the protests so he was a protester He was executed on the 9th of December after being charged by an Iranian court with blocking a street in Tehran and attacking a member of the country's security forces with a machete. Last week, Iran executed a second prisoner, Majid Reza Rahnavard, in connection with the protests. Rahnavard's body was left hanging from a construction crane as a warning to others. Iranian authorities alleged Navad stabbed two members of its paramilitary force. So this sounds like, starting to sound like civil war. Both men were executed less than a month after they were charged, underscoring the speed at which Iran now carries out death sentences imposed for alleged crimes related to the demonstrations. So it's very, very quick. Right. From arrest to execution. Normally, those sorts of things need to be given full due process. Activists have said that at least a dozen people have been sentenced to death in closed door hearings. Closed door hearings. These are uh, court cases which are done sort of uh, with no public scrutiny. Alidusti has made at least three posts on her Instagram account. Can't speak properly today expressing solidarity with protesters since the demonstrations broke out in September. Her account, which had some 8 million followers, has been suspended. Um, And the the story goes on. Um, I'll just make some final sort of statements. Now, if you want to help, these organisations are campaigning in various ways. Amnesty.org.uk. It says, right now there is a crisis of impunity in Iran. Hundreds of protesters are being killed, tortured and ill-treated for peacefully protesting for women's rights. A monthly gift to Amnesty International could help fund investigations into human rights abuses and ensure accountability for the most serious crimes committed under international law, including crimes against Masa Amini. All right, that's Amnesty. Women for Women International. Women have the power to change and we will see it happen all the time. In the face of equality and conflict, marginalised women in our programmes rise up and take control of their lives. This International Women's Day on March the 8th and throughout March in honour of Women's History Month, join us by pledging you, pledging to use your hashtag power to change. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a post on this site about Iran specifically, but um, I can't seem to find it right now. But anyway, Women for Women International is another organisation. And then Vital Voices is is another one. And vitalvoices.org have published a list of four things that people can do to show support for women in Iran. Use your voice. You can add a, add your name to a petition asking for the Islamic Republic of Iran to be removed from the UN Commission on the Status for Women. Post your support on social media. Stay up to date on the latest news from Iran and attend a protest in your area are some of the things that they suggest that people can do. Of course, other charities and organisations are available too. But that's it. Um, Thank you for your time, listeners. Good luck to everyone out there. Um, A reminder about the earthquake appeal you can consider donating to the Disasters Emergency Committee to help people suffering from the effects of the recent earthquake. dec.org.uk. Okay? Um, Take care, everyone. I hope this episode has been useful in some way. Okay? Um, I'll speak to you next time. And by the way, the next episode of this podcast, it'll be back to normal podcasting, okay? It will be back to podcasting as usual, and then we're going to go back to sort of familiar territory on Luke's English Podcast with the next episode. Uh, I'll be joined by a guest, and we're going to be going through uh, the British citizenship test again, going through a sample British citizenship test, which will be a way to explore features of British life and history and culture and stuff. So that's coming next. But that's the end of this particular episode. Um, I hope that it's been useful, helpful, supportive in some way. Um, I will speak to you next time, but for now it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.